Throughout this episode, you'll hear occasional dynamically placed advertisements as well as host-read ads by me promoting the work of my sponsors, similar to what you'd experience when you're binging your favorite YouTube content. If you find the ads disruptive, consider joining my community on Patreon. Premium submarines receive full-length ad-free episodes, hundreds of hours of bonus content, and the ability to connect and chat with other listeners. To learn more, visit patreon.com slash backfromtheborderline. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the podcast. Welcome to the new listeners, to returning listeners. Hey, today I'm super excited because this has been a long time coming. You are going to hear an episode with me and my boyfriend, Zaz. Today's episode is all about loving someone with borderline personality disorder. And today, I didn't edit this conversation. What you're going to hear is just me and Zaz sitting down for an hour and a half, taking all of the questions that you lovely listeners submitted to me on Instagram. So for a little bit of background, Zaz and I have been together for just almost three years now. It'll be three years in February this year. He is one of the most emotionally balanced people I know. And while he struggles with his own mental health issues like everyone else with occasional depression and anxiety, he has been an incredibly supportive partner, but we have not been without our own struggles in our relationship. And we have come such a long way since I've started on my recovery journey. And I'm so excited to give all of you a window into our world. So that's enough intro blabber from me. Now we're going to get into the good stuff. So I hope you enjoy this conversation with me and my beautiful love, Saz. He is such a comforting presence and I hope he can offer that comfort and hope to you as well. So without further ado, let's do it. All this focus, focus is supposed to be scientific, scientific, scientific. You have entered back from the borderline, where we walk willingly into the darkness within our minds and return home to ourselves transformed. I'm your host, Molly. I spent most of my life numbing the pain and emptiness inside me, unaware that my self-sabotaging behaviors and thoughts were destroying my ability to connect with myself and other people. One day, I decided I was sick enough of my own bullshit to hear life calling, telling me it was time for a change, and I decided to answer that call. On this podcast, we'll learn that when we see ourselves as the hero of our own journey, it gives us the best chance at finding our inner truth and integrity. Together, We'll learn to hold complex feelings, expand our consciousness and self-awareness while making meaning of our suffering. Are you ready to find out who you are underneath the weight of everything that's been keeping you stuck? If the answer is yes, follow me down the rabbit hole of psychological and spiritual growth. I'm so glad you're here. And with that, let's dive straight in to the episode. Welcome back to the podcast. So you are witnessing Zaz and I with 
hanging on by a shred of sanity at this second. Zaz is currently sipping wine. I am also sipping wine. We just recorded 80 minutes (laughs) of this podcast, and Zaz realized that we were only recording my audio for those 80 minutes. Yep. It was a conversation with Molly. Molly with Molly. Which is actually kind of... (laughs) Your two selves. Which is... Mirroring each other. We'd only been recording my audio and we just talked for 80 minutes. And when I tell you guys, it was like such good conversation. I really had to check my BPD recovery. This is actually kind you of a good. You did really well. I, well, I threw the mic well, a little. Well, you know, <laughs> some, some casualties. I literally, I, I smashed the mic down the ground. <laughs> and then I said, it's fine. Like, what did you say? This is fine. It's 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 gonna... I don't even know what I said. I think I was like like you know, this happens. Yeah. You know, we're professionals. 80 we're gonna... minutes. Yeah. 80 minutes of fucking incredible talking. I just want to punch something so hard. But I'm being an example right now. So we're this is round 2. I ordered Pizza Hut and <laughs> So we're going to be fed and watered. <laughs> and wined. And wined. Wined and dined. So here we are. Here Hi. we are. Yeah. Hey, Hi, good to see you after 80 minutes yeah. of, of talking. Oh, God. And we're currently recording this in Zaz's 80 fucking 7 billion degree studio up here. It is so hot. I'm recording this in my bra. Not. Yep. Not in a sensual way. It's purely out of like necessity because he will not open the window because he monitors the humidity levels. Got to keep the studio running like a like a ship. Oh my god, kill me now! <laughs> oh my god. So it's so hot up here. We are on round two of recording after. Eight, oh god, I was just I just can't. But here we are, and we are committed to giving you all. A podcast with finally you get to hear Zaz. I've talked about Zaz nonstop. I'm like a, a rare Pokemon card, right? <laughs> Is that I was it? gonna say herpes, but oh yeah, I'm like herpes, right? Wait, you keep I guess, coming yeah, back. I keep coming back. All of you amazing listeners who follow me on Instagram. And for those of you that don't, the Instagram is at BPDT. That's B-P-D-T-E-A. I posted on my stories the other day. And asked all of you to ask questions. And dear Lord, did y'all ask some questions? There were like a lot of them. And so I wrote them all down. And Zaz and I are just going to have a chill conversation. On the first round of recording this, I talked about one of my first, um, my favorite podcasts is called Last Podcast on the Left. And they are like me where they're heavily research-based and it's a true crime podcast. But one of the guys on the podcast does like, two-week-long research binges to put together their three-hour-long podcasts, but then every couple weeks they do what's called like a relaxed fit episode. And so this is our relaxed fit. It's very relaxed. Very relaxed, a little bit manic now because of how annoyed I am that we lost it. <laughs> you did well, though. You did I well. Did. I'm, I'm, I'm actually impressed with myself that I didn't do more than just throw your microphone yeah. on the ground. And it was a pretty pathetic attempt to throw it. Let's well, it's be because I knew that I like, it was like, I 
if it was old Molly, I would have really done some yeah. damage, but like it was restrained Molly. So I it threw was. it very lightly. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It was, it was, it was a sight. It was entertaining. Fuck you, Zaz. <laughs> with love. Fuck you with love. My new book. That's going to be the title of this episode. Fuck you with love. I love that. It's actually really good. I actually really like that. Carmen, hold on. <laughs> just type Fuck that. You. She's just typing that down. <laughs> good, 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 good. Good, good, good. Got it. Never going to forget it. Okay. So the first question that someone submitted is from one of my Patreon subscribers. And she's just absolutely fabulous. And I love how she wrote she wrote this question in the most BPD way because it's like so long and windy and it's exactly how I would phrase this question. So I'm just going to read it how she wrote it. She goes, how do you know if you're in a healthy relationship? I feel most of us with BPD have been used to being in toxic relationships and are addicted to the drama. So when things are calm, we're either bored or not into the other person because we're not constantly chasing them. Was it hard for you to believe that someone actually wants what's best for you and doesn't want to take advantage of you? Short answer, yes. (laughs) Yes. Ding, 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 right? (laughs) Ding, ding. So I was absolutely, my life was a series of dramatic events when Zaz met me. (laughs) That's an understatement, right? Yeah. I was just caught up in... I always, someone was always perpetually offending me. I was caught up in like a sexual harassment case with a job. I was, my roommates were the bane of my existence. I was in a fight with a neighbor. I was just like, and Zaz was this just calm, chill person that came into my life. And when we first met, I almost sabotaged our relationship because I thought he was too nice. Mm-hmm. And so absolutely, I relate to this question so much. So many of us with BPD, we start to get into a place where when things are calm, we think something's wrong. Like this is boring. But what I've realized more and more is calm is good. It is. Boring is good. Yeah. It's actually reframing what yeah. could seem as boring. You Elaborate know, like they, on that. Well, it, it's not boring at all. It's actually, you know, it's like being completely present in, in the calmness of, of, yes. of the present, right? It's like uh, you don't constantly need some kind of uh, stimulation, mm-hmm. right, to feel like you're living your life when in reality you're just, you know, essentially living in, in, in like this fabricated uh, veil of, of, of activity that's just all drama-filled and, and just not really relevant. Yes, and and interestingly enough, like, being in the present moment was a foreign concept to me before I met Zaz. And he grew up in an environment where he was surrounded by Eastern mysticism and Eastern philosophy and thought and uh, Buddhism. And he, the concept of the self and meditation and all these things were things that he was surrounded with as a child from mm-hmm. as long as he can remember. And he also is very grounded in himself and who he is. And so ever since that we've been together, the parts of me that are like wanting to create drama, Zaz just hasn't reacted to it. No. And so it's kind of forced me to see the dysfunction in that. Yeah. Well, it's interesting because you you used to find friends and stuff like that who would fuel 
that behavior, right? They yeah. would also be like all up in the drama. And, and wanting to gossip all the yeah. time and just be talking. I would always attract p- friends at work that were just always wanting to just talk shit and talk about how much they hated their job. And I was, and I thought that was entertaining. But then I realized like that stopped me from being able to learn who I really was. I was just in a state of constant drama. Yeah. It was, it was, it was exhausting to observe. So the answer to this question I feel is just calm is good. It is. Calm is good. Um, knowing what you can expect out of your partner is good. It is. And now I'm like, I love the slow pace of our life now. Like we love having coffee in the morning and now I know what to expect from Zaz. Like I know, I know what to expect from you. Like yeah. there's, there's nothing that I'm going to get surprised by anymore. Yeah. And because of that, it's forced me to focus on myself. Which and is a in, beautiful thing. In, in a good way, right? Not like focus because before I would say I was actually quite self-centered in a way where it was all about me. But now it was like, now I feel like I have to find out who I am. Yeah. So the next question is, how did you open up to Zaz's parents and family about your BPD? I feel like I opened up about <laughs> your BPD <laughs> to my parents, tell, <laughs> to my mom. Tell Well, so for the listeners, Zaz is um, raised by a single mom. And um, yeah, how did you open up to your mom about? Well, well you know, my mom, ha- my mom, incredible, incredible woman. Um, but, you know, growing up in a single parent family, um, you know, my mom left my father when I was four. And so, you know, there was a lot of sadness and, you know, he, it was an abusive relationship. So, um, you know, my mom has had to seek, you know, therapy and, 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 you know, mental health, mental aid, um, throughout her life. So it wasn't, it wasn't. And your mom has thought she has BPD. Yes, exactly. And so, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't out of the ordinary for me to discuss, you know, mental health. Right. And so, Mm -hmm. um, and she's open about talking about these She things. is. The thing is about Zaz's mom is, you know, she is a unique individual in that she has spent her entire life dedicated to pursuing. Um, she wants to think big. She wants to know the question, the deep questions. Zaz has been raised by a woman who, and, and conversely, and again, this is not to shame my parents, but it's like. I was a child who grew up always asking my parents deep questions. I would lay awake at night wondering about my existence. And when I would ask the adults in my life, everyone that I knew, like, you know, we're going to die one day, right? Like, and also what happened before we were born where we just like, I would lay awake at night paralyzed wondering what I was before I was born. Like, Zaz had a mom, and, and when I would say this to the adults in my life, they'd be like, don't think about that. Why are you thinking about these yeah. things? Like, don't think about I'm like, how the fuck can you not think about it? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and Zaz has a mom who would, like, want to talk about that for hours. Yeah, I mean, there was, hu- you know, existentialism was a huge, you know, aspect of She was of, pursuing of her life. PhD where she was, like, reading about yeah. Eastern mysticism and this concepts of the self and individuation and reading yes. about, like— uh, fucking 
deep, deep psychological concepts. Yes. You could talk to your, you said so that you remember lucky. going on walks with your right. mom for hours talking about these things. Yeah. So I was lucky. I mean, my circumstance of, of having a, a parent that was very receptive to, you know, um, mental health. Um, you had Buddhist monks yes, staying with you at your house. Yeah. So all these, all these aspects really contributed to that conversation being, um, you know, more, more of a, of a question and, 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 and kind of an exploration of what that meant, right? Mm-hmm. As it relates to our relationship. Um, so sorry, the question was, how did you open up ab- up to Zaz's parents, which is how did you open up about to your mom about yeah. me having BPD? S- yeah, so, I mean, it, it honestly was a, a pretty, pretty, pretty quickly. Like as soon as uh, it was a thing that you had expressed mm-hmm. that you were going through. Do you remember the conversation through. with her? I don't remember it your mom probably wasn't knowing Ida. she's like okay no really that's <laughs> like what i'm saying phased. it was it was such not a big deal yeah and so you know any any uh like diagnosis or doesn't mean that much actually to her right no. even and that goes across the board right yep. so um so so and the neither com- to you no, and that exactly that extends like you to me have not would not go to a psychiatrist because no. you just don't give a shit what your label is no and also you know there's there's a ton of resources for me to explore that will bring me closer to understanding myself Mm -hmm. right as i've seen you yeah you know partake in you know and you've seen me don't get me wrong i have a therapist bev who's been super helpful and great and i highly recommend people pursue therapy for me though the bulk of my recovery has been on my own and that's what I've observed. I've, I, what has been your observation of my recovery? I mean, you're you are. It's twenty four seven, right? Yeah. And, and obviously, you've created a podcast because <laughs> yeah. it's it's something that you you're so passionate about getting yeah. to the bottom of, mm-hmm. right? Um, but it is it is it is omnipresent, right? Yeah. Because and it makes sense. I mean, it's your mind, right? Yes. So you live with your mind. 24 7 well i to me i can't think of anything more important and it shouldn't there's there it's really not isn't. like oh i need to dedicate an hour to my mental health. it's like no that's it's every second and that and that should go to everybody right yeah. like regardless of of what what where you exist right? you watch me i'm if i'm not watching a youtube video listening to a book on audible reading a book at night when you're going to yes. sleep i am reading about this <laughs> yeah and clearly you're passionate about um, understanding yourself, right? And I and and that's I'm inspired by that, and and it's it and it's uh, it's uh, contagious, right? Yeah, and I mean, yes, because you've learned things from me. Yes. Most recently, listeners, is uh, I think the thing the inner critic stuff has been something Zaz and I have been talking a lot about, and I feel like, do you want to talk a little bit about? what I've taught you about the inner critic and how you've been seeing that pop up yeah. in your own life. Well, you know, I'm obviously, I'm often a guy who's like a, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like what, I want the meat and potatoes of like what's <laughs> he, being told. He does not want to read the books. So he she'll, not. <laughs> yeah. So she'll, 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 she'll kind of pass information onto me mm. and, uh, you know, I want to get the gist of what exactly she means. And then, and then in this circumstance, you know, I've always suffered with, um, a degree, you know, I'm an artist, I'm a creative type of guy. And so I've always kind of had this attribute of being kind of self-conscious and having this kind of inner voice that's telling me your work's never done. You know, mm-hmm. it's, uh, no one's going to like it. And even if people do like it and it's being received well, 
I almost felt that they were kind of just flattering me. Mm. And also to the point where you're paralyzed, where you don't even do anything. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I have a hard drive full of 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 of, of incredible work, you know, that I can mm-hmm. look at from now, you know, when I'm outside of it and say, "Wow, this is really good stuff." And it is really good stuff. But it doesn't matter, right? If 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 I'm in that state of mind. His inner critic, I say, like that's your biggest. Yeah, thing. that's that is my uh, Achilles heel, right? And so. Yeah. In my pursuit of overcoming that, um, you know, it was brought to my attention this idea of talking to that critic, right? That 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 voice that, I mean, I could visualize that voice, right? And and, and I remember the other day after she had mentioned that, I told know, him to like yell at his inner critic. That's yeah. like everyone. Like I told him, like when it comes up, I told him if you know if you start hearing your inner critic pop up, you say like, don't fucking tell me what to do. Like get aggressive with it. Yeah, I mean literally. So so. So I took that to heart, you know, based on where I am in my life and how, you know, the journey that I'm on, it, it was so applicable to where I'm at. So I, you know, so yeah, it, I like walk them through that, how, what you told right. me. So it was actually in bed that I, I kind of first, you know, basically assaulted my inner crick- critic, right? <laughs> Your inner cricket. Cricket. My inner cricket, actually. I'm imagining I actually, like the Pinocchio yeah, cricket. my inner cricket. You assaulted the cricket. <laughs> I just stepped on it and that was it. No. <laughs> <laughs> End of story. We're, we're, I'm cured. No. So. <laughs> I just snorted. <laughs> but, but, but in all seriousness. So, you know, so I, I literally, in my mind... I started to scream at this voice. I mean, I've been feeling so good lately, confident, and just so motivated uh, on the pursuits that I'm on. And 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 this voice would loom, you know, kind of in the morning. I wake up and it kind of creeps up, and you know, tells me, you know, well, are you sure you can actually achieve that? Like, what are the odds you might fail? And I literally, in my, you know, in my mind, I basically said, "Who the fuck are you? Get the fuck out of my fucking head." You're not welcome here. Mm. I don't want you. I don't know you. Mm-hmm. And I visualized this like figure that literally was like, whoa, like, what do I do now? <laughs> and it was kind of like getting out of the of my mind. And I could see it almost kind of it didn't fully exit my mind. It's like standing in the shadows. Mm. Right. And, and it, you described like that you could like imagine it what fig- it looked I, yeah. like. I mean, it's a it's a thing. Right. And, and you said as you yelled at it. It looked more pathetic. Pathetic. And, and I said, I see you, motherfucker. Get the fuck out of my fucking head. Mm. Right? And I mean, I mean, when I say it worked, mm. boy, has it worked, right? Yes. And even today, you know, during my drive, yeah. you know, I've been feeling so good since I've just been completely taking control over my mind. Right? So and good. And, you know, for a moment, just for a moment on my drive back home, I, I I just started, you know, just getting a, a feeling of anxiety and kind of like a, a narrative. I heard a voice in my head starting to talk, right? Mm. It's kind of like self-doubt, you know, narrative. And out loud, I said, you don't know fucking shit. You're nothing. You are nothing. I'm fucking great. Yes. Right? And, and that is my reality, right? That is the reality I choose to believe. Good right? for you. And this other voice is not representative of any reality that I can I can really touch. Yes. So so why am I giving it all the power to completely essentially like just hold me in the clutches, right? So good. And you know, if there's a lesson here for anyone, I know so many couples listen to the podcast, couples that one partner has BPD, one partner doesn't, and 
there's work, there's lessons that both of you can take from this recovery journey. Because just because you don't have BPD doesn't mean you don't struggle with a lot of the stuff that someone with BPD does, just maybe not at the extreme degree that we do. And this work is work you can do together. And I feel like the things that I've been passing on to you, you know, before I felt like it was all about my mental illness, like it was all about me. But now that I have kind of taken ownership of my recovery journey, I feel like, and correct me if I'm wrong, Mm -hmm. because I don't want to speak to your experience, but I feel like I now, you know that I've got this, that like I've got my recovery journey and I can kind of pass on helpful tips to you as I go. Yeah, it's a a win-win, right? Yeah. And there's a lot of value to be passed along. Whereas before I felt like I kind of was leaning on you to kind of save me. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you were out of control. Absolutely. So, so it's like somebody had to to keep like a relative sense of reality alive. Yes. Otherwise it would just turn. I mean, if both of us were responding to each other in the same way, I mean, it would have just been a disaster. It would have, it would have, you know, it's interesting because it brings me to the next question. It's a good thing. It says, do you think that two people with BPD can work god no <laughs> that's my first reaction <laughs> or will it always be toxic is it doomed from the start and like Zaz has a very like but shoot from the hip I, response there but truly i have a shoot from the hips re- hip response i could as you can imagine two mollies i can it, we would have killed if, each other if, probably if there and i say that if if you're if it's not if it's not at a deg- at a level where there's awareness yeah Involved and there's not a lot of the times there's not. Right? Then, Can I speak then, to that? This yeah, one first, do. because I feel like it's like double my reality. Yeah. So like, let, and and then I want to hear your commentary. Why Zaz's response was so visceral there is fair because if Zaz wasn't here as the very non-reactive, grounded presence to my extremely explosive in the beginning phases, because that's no longer our reality anymore. No. Um, it would have been, what I want to say is, is I don't think it, I don't think anything is impossible because Zaz and I, like we've come through some very hard times, but I have a hard time. I can imagine that would be very difficult. And here's why is because both people, it would have to be the most divine timing because you would both, if two people with BPD were in a relationship, you would have to both be at the exact same same level of like, aha moment, I'm ready to take on my recovery and completely own my shit. And if you are not both completely ready to own, I feel like it would be so easy to just be like so enmeshed and so unhealthy and so enabling to one another. And so my reaction i mean to be honest i mean i'm just thinking of even outside of bpd like people that have unhealthy habits yeah like it's like two heroin addicts yeah i i mean or or people that that's why i'm like i watch intervention on is one of like my favorite shows like one of the shows i like it's it's arguably like a little bit unethical but i like the show intervention i used to work at a drug and alcohol uh, rehabilitation center when i was in college and i just that was one of my first uh I have a lot of family that struggle with addiction and I have never, ever, ever seen anyone as a monster or, 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 um, and I connected with a lot of people with addiction. But when I think about two people with BPD dating, I think about it as in two people with like addiction issues. And when you watch the show intervention, when there are couples that both have heroin addictions, for example, 
they will send them to two different rehab centers on two different opposite sides of the country because they're usually really codependent on one another and they enable each other's bad behavior. And so I would say the only way that that could work, I would say it was probably if you're in like the pits of BPD is you need some space apart Mm. to work on each other and find out what your identity even is outside of that other person. I mean, from everything I've observed and learned, can you imagine double Molly? Yeah. I mean, like like two Mollies together. I I can't No. You know, I mean, that's and that's just two being, Mollies two years ago. Yeah, like, no. and again, we're just being and honest. That's just blunt. Like, yeah. I'm not, you know, trying you to don't sh- come to this yeah. podcast for the bullshit. You come for it for the reality. We're not going to sit here and be like, yeah, if you're meant to be, it's going to work yeah. out. It's like, no, I mean, everything is possible and, yeah. and things that that don't make like that shouldn't be can be right. That's the that's the beauty of life. And also we talked about this in the audio that we lost. Yeah. Um, But you have a short time on this planet. You know? Yes. And it is up to you to find out who the fuck you are, what the fuck you want to do while you're here. And it is impossible to even... You need to develop a a foundation of your house before you can build on top of it with another person. That's actually a really good point. It just reminded me of just a... I forget the quote, but it's, you know, surround yourself around an environment and the people that that, that challenge you and that that, that you thrive to, to, to grow that's be, such a good right? point. And and everyone, Zaz challenged me. That's yeah. another thing. Like, but he challenged me in the most non-reactive, stoic way. Mm. Zaz is like a classic stoic because of the things he has been through in his life. You know, he lost the, the yeah. first love of his life to a school shooting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, extremely traumatic when he was formative i was 18 years old right so that was you know that was during the time in my life where i felt like nothing you know i was untouchable i couldn't you know i'm young i will never get sick you know it's not a thought you're thinking of yeah you know no one's in my life i've lost a old age you know as you get older that becomes a reality and it's not like losing someone to cancer where you're young and like you watch them and also not saying that's not traumatic by the way yes but it's like Losing your first love where, you know, having someone who you are close to be murdered by another human being is mortifying. I mean, it is it is to this day I get goosebumps and it it could bring tears to my I mean, it is the most mortifying, horrendous experience. And my heart goes out to anyone that has ever experienced such a thing, you know, Um, but that 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 absolutely shaped, you know, the way that. That I, I that I am right, and you know I think that this has come out in our relationship where things that I would make a huge deal of, even my own trauma, the things that I've been through, and that it's not like Zaz invalidated my experiences, but Zaz very much was a, Zaz is a stoic person where he is just he sees things that are not a big deal. And he will not react with me. You know what I mean? Yeah. He has been a grounded stoic presence, and that has made me question my I grew up in an environment where everything was very reactive and so and I've since I love my dad and you know but he was a very reactive person my mom was a very reactive person and then I was put into this environment with Zaz where you just didn't react and you kind of like kind of were like called me out on shit but in a very calm way 
And that has been, there's a concept in psychotherapy where it's like, it's a reparative relationship. I don't know if I'm speaking about that. I don't know if that's the exact term, but it's like, it's a, it, you basically you, you realize what a healthy connection looks like where, and Zaz has been that for me. And so this question is, can two people with BPD work? I just don't know if one person is completely recovered from BPD sure. and they were at the place that I was. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. But even then, it would be really hard for me. It's a challenge. But two people at the place that I was at two years ago, no. It would be like intervention where I would say, if you both have BPD and you're in the pits of it, you would need to go to two different spaces, find out who you are. And then if the universe brings you back together again, but it's like, are you kind of like two heroin addicts? Are you just enabling each other's bad behaviors? Like, that's another thing too, where I don't think there's enough self-awareness in our society today. Like, you need to ask yourself that. Like, can you find out who you really, really are with this person? And you need to look yourself in the mirror and ask you yourself that. I was going to say that. Like, being so blunt about that. Yeah. You know, and, and some people may call you out and say, oh, you're selfish. You're only yeah. thinking about, you know what? But you in have this to case, think you about have you. to think about you, right? Yeah. Because you only have one life to live. Yes. And there's a lot of time to be lost with the wrong person. Absolutely. And I think both of you and I can relate to that. Yeah. We've both been in relationships where we felt alone. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, my God, right? We talked about this um, before where, you know, there's nothing more isolating. And, and we talked about this in the audio that we lost. I'm going to keep repeating this. The audio that we lost. Lost, 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 lost. Like the 80 minutes. It was so good, y'all. It was so good. Um, but we talked about how we both have been in relationships where I always want to get deep. And those of us with BPD, we're deeply emotional people. We want to talk about the deep subjects. We want to really like feel connected to people. You got to look yourself in the mirror and be like, can I really connect to this person or am I just with this person because I don't want to be alone? <laughs> I mean, yeah, right. I mean, a lot of people are in relationships because of their fear of being alone. And they don't talk about shit. No. And they're like, oh, we're great. Yeah. It's it's Twilight Zone. Are you, though? <laughs> it's scary. Are you good because you're good or are you good because you just don't talk about anything? Yeah. And if you're with BPD and you see those people that are in those like squeaky cookie cutter relationships and they paste the, put their picture with their pumpkins and their fucking two kids and they're at the pumpkin patch with their family and you're like, wow, I'm I'm fucked up. It's like, no. <laughs> <laughs> what a what a picture. Am I projecting? Yeah. I'm seeing so many pumpkin patch fucking. <laughs> wow. So many families in Wyoming, I'm from Wyoming, where they're like, here's me and my husband and we're at the pumpkin patch and here's with our five kids. And I'm like, fuck. <laughs> but you know what? Sometimes those couples are like, there's a lot of turmoil going on and the people feel very alone in those relationships. I'm happy now. I don't feel alone anymore. Mm. Zaz and I, the way we're talking now is like we talk about every conversation we have. Yeah, this is, is our, our every day. And that's, but also like, again, nobody's the same, but if you have BPD, you want deep connection. Like yeah. you are deep. Zaz is a deeply, and he doesn't have BPD, but he's an artistic, deeply sensitive person that really wants to talk about like the fucking existential topics. And I'm, I would argue everybody deserves deep conversation. Yeah. Like that, that, and that's actually to the point of like, I stood by that mm. in, during our whole relationship. It's like, I want meaningful connection. Yeah. Right. I don't it's want true. a superficial thing. So that's my 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 code. Mm -hmm. Right. And, and also so, like all the things that I was freaking out about 
were such like menial matrix type shit. Yeah. And Zaz would call me out on it. Yeah. Like I'd be like, I need to know if I'm going to have a baby before I'm like 35. And if I don't do that, then blah, blah, blah. And Zaz was like, why are you fucking following this like narrative that's been written for you? Yeah. It, a lot of the stuff that he said to me, like called out everything that I had been taught. And it really made me question shit. I mean, I, I, I can only imagine. It's wild. So the question that we left on was can two people <laughs> with me? <laughs> the answer is probably not. Yeah. And you should probably take some time. Yeah. Apart. With caution. We'll say. <laughs> and also, God damn, I can only imagine. I'm just trying to imagine two versions of myself with each other and like the turmoil that that must uh, drum up. I can't even imagine. Okay. So the next question is Was Zaz ever your FP? And how did you handle it? Do you know what an FP is? Uh, favorite person. I'm so proud of you. Well, what yeah. you, what's a favorite person? Tell you me. tell me. No, no, I'm curious to know what your thing is. I mean, I would imagine it's someone that <laughs> he's got, he's literally that, looking so funny. Uh, <laughs> this is like those teacher moments where they're like, "Did you do your homework?" I, I, I would say someone that his, you he, fixate he was, on. Wait, wait. Would it be someone that maybe you fixate on as a kind of source of stability? Yeah, it's like basically it's a toxic connection, right? Where yeah. it's like that person is my one and only yeah. everything. Which is risky. Is It's bad. Yeah. You know, you are the only thing. Like, you, me, myself, I have to become my FP. Absolutely. Self-love. Yeah. We have to become our own FPs. So when I say, was Zaz my FP? Fuck yeah, he was. And mm. it was when the in the worst part of our relationship, everything, like, if we weren't together, it spelled doom. If he didn't love me, I was like, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? love me i mean you were scared of the concepts of like autonomy in a relationship yeah you know of being i asked your own you agency. do you love me i remember we were in the car in north hollywood once and you were like oh it was such a dark day for me because you're like i said do you love me it was one of my like com i had a thing of like compulsively needing r reminders mm. and we talked about this in my episode with stephanie where she said uh psychologist stephanie and like i think it was episode 19 and she said like I talked about this, how I had a compulsive need for disaster to reiterate, do you love me? And she said, what does that say, like, to yourself? If you're constantly needing people's reassurance that they love you, like, it's clearly, like, kind of you being, like, you don't love yourself. Yeah. And I remember us being in the car and me kind of asking you that, and you were, like, kind of, like, so put off. And I think you kind of just had enough of it. <laughs> and I could see it in your eyes. And that's another thing. Like, those of us with PPD, we are really highly perceptive and intuitive and I can see in your eyes when you're like disconnect from me and instead of like knowing when to give you some space I then would like cling even harder and be like eh. <laughs> 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 why what was your feeling in the car that day do you remember that day it was a horrible day I don't remember that day because there were other days yeah that I can remember you know um, me sips wine yeah but uh, you know my response to that was i was put off because i show you that i love you right yes that's what he always says yeah. you guys you he know, always is just like please like he takes it as like a personal offense which yeah. is understandable yeah. and, and it, it does feel offensive because you know i uh, in my mind you know i'm i'm acting out my love yeah through my love and respect you know 
and the space that I that I that I that I uh, pr- provide and that I feel that I deserve to also be provided mm-hmm. and to be questioned, you know, about the love that I'm providing is is extremely it feels it's offensive. It feels like everything I do is 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 irrelevant. Yes. And all the and only it's like thing whittled that, down to some little word. Just a yes, word. I do, darling. Yeah. And it's like it's bizarre. Yeah. And it's and it's sad. Yep. You know. And you know the question like was he my FP? Yes. And in those moments, that's how I would behave. And now Zaz is just my partner. Where yeah. I'm so solid in who I am now, and I do my thing, and Zaz is my like partner in crime. Completely. But the thing is, I have empathy for, you know, that that that's the thing. You know, I would never. Now you understand the part of me that that is like my wounded inner child kind of that's reaching out for that. And that's a good point. It's like pre me knowing you had BPD. Yeah. You saying, do you love me? Do you love me? You know, I'm just you even knew at that time, but it's like you didn't really understand. Uh, Not to this. Yeah. Not to the extent that I do now, you know, but Mm. but but really understanding you. Right. Has allowed me to be empathetic, you know, towards the way that you experience your life. Right. Yeah. But 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 before before I was really immersed in understanding what is happening. I mean, it was a bit of like it was offensive. Right. That's, yeah. It was, an, it was well, because you're like, wh- like, does everything I do for you mean nothing? Yeah. You know, and that's why I think it's so important to, to be in a relationship where, you know, these things are, are being spoken about. Oof, the next question. How did you navigate the early stages of your dating? Did he ever feel like you were clingy? Oh, boy. Oh, boy. I'm just going to let you just say, just fucking. And by the way, guys, Zaz has never heard these questions. No, this is my first introduction. Because I, I wanted him to give, and we're going to, I'm posting this episode unedited. Yeah. Like, it's very important. It's actually a relaxed fit episode. Like, yes. typically I edit out, like, filler words. By the way, when you hear some of my other episodes, if you think I sound, like, so polished and put together, it's because I edit it so that we sound really good. And I think it's important to be honest about that. Yes. Because it's not like I come out sounding so eloquent and everything flows perfectly. I wanted you all to hear a really organic conversation and hear Zaz's genuine reactions because I love you all and I want you to hear the real, his real reaction to this. So did you ever think I was clingy? Well, yeah. I mean, you were clingy. Give us some examples of that. I mean, outside of asking, you know, do you love me? And this and that, there was also the, the, this, this, attitude of you know if i wasn't always present or always kind of Mm. immersed in your reality Mm -hmm. um that it was kind of it was offensive i mean you would really respond so negatively to me kind of taking my own space or like really trying to like find my own thing yeah um and and you know it was confusing i mean but Mm. also it kind of it played into a little bit like of like oh you know that's like Maybe this is just like girls are clingy. Like I was thinking. Yeah. You know, maybe this is just like a thing, and like I'm just not, like a like I'm just kind of averse to that. Yes. But but it was too. I think a lot of that happens in relationships. It does. Where sometimes it's not so black and white. People, I feel like therapists a lot of times are like, you need to know when you're not in a healthy relationship, yeah. and you need to see the signs. It's like it's not that clear. It is because not everyone has been in so many relationships. And also a lot of people have never been in a relationship with a healthy person. No. And so you're like, I guess this is just the way it is. Yeah. So I, I mean, so to a degree, I mean, I just thought and you loved me. Like we yeah. had good times. Right. And so you're like, maybe this, this is just me going with the good and the bad. And you were with a really 
emotional mother. So you saw your mom go through good, bad times. Yeah. So I feel like so it, it's not so black and white. It isn't. You know, and I think it was only during the times where it would lead to conflict, mm-hmm. right, mm-hmm. that that it would become kind of problematic. Because the thing is, you know, I am my own human being on yeah. this planet who, like, just as you deserve space for themselves to rewind, recharge, rather, mm-hmm. and uh, in, and thrive in the ways that we've, you know, learned over the course of our lives what we need. And so it felt sometimes that I had to make extreme accommodations to to make you feel good yeah basically and i think that's really important is that i feel like bpd and the bpd partner can really take center stage yeah and that leaves your partner feeling resentful a little bit i mean i did i felt like i had no space yeah Right. And that it was like the and whole And you couldn't world. tell me that. No. Because if you did, then I would have a extreme reaction. Yeah. So I was scared. I didn't want to get into a situation where, you know, like you're, you're, things are just going out of control. Mm-hmm. Right. So I, and I'm anti-conflict. You know, yep. I just don't want conflict, unnecessary conflict. You're so, more of like an avoidant style, yeah. attachment style. If yeah. we're talking about psychological. Absolutely. And so, you know. Often I would just kind of my 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 emotions would take a side you know kind of mm-hmm. would take the bench. You would rather put your needs and feelings aside to avoid conflict. Yes. Where for me I will be fine to have conflict. Yeah. And so therefore my needs will usually get prioritized. Yeah. And now we're in a completely different situation where I make an effort, and those of you with BPD, you need to make an effort to ask your partner how are you feeling and uh. Again, in the lost files that we lost before, we talked about Zaz and I got to a point where he had to open up with me and really tell me, I'll never forget it, where he said, like, I, he felt emotionally abused by me. And he said, I feel like I have no space. It's one of the few times that he just lost his shit yeah. and really just told me, like, I'm so scared of your reactions. Like, I can't tell you how I feel. I don't have any space. Like, I, I feel like you just take up all the emotional space in the relationship. And I needed that wake up call. And that was a time where I think we had one of our aha moments where I broke down and I was in like fetal position sobbing on the ground. And that's where I told him, like, I hate myself. I I hate that I'm making you feel this way. I feel like I'm repeating the patterns of my childhood. Like, And it was a moment of connection for us because I think that's a time where you, you told me at that time, he's like, wow, I finally feel compassion for you. Yeah. I mean, you, you know, your, your vulnerability in that moment, um, it was cathartic for yeah. both of us. I mean, mm-hmm. because it was like, you know, finally, ah, the, the emperor is wearing no clothes. We both <laughs> we both can say, ah, we're in the matrix, right? Yeah. Like look at this this theater piece. Like it's all it's 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 all at the core of it was just two people who really loved each other and we can shed these patterns, the yeah. cycles. And and by being so just transparent about that, um it set us on a whole new trajectory, yeah. right? It did. It really did. It really was like a, I think that was the turning point. Right? Yeah, I do. Because I saw Zaz like truly like his eyes, like he looked at me like this, I love you so much, like this poor thing. And he like got down on the ground and like cradled me and hugged me. 
And I was no longer this prickly thing that was just lashing out and so angry. I just allowed myself to just cry and fall apart. And he, but then what, it was my responsibility at that point. And we wouldn't be here now if it weren't for me going, okay, my partner is being emotionally abused by me. Like I need to turn this around. I need to make it my life's mission now to become an emotional grown-up. Yeah. And the podcast was born. It was. And I didn't start the podcast right away. It took it was many months of me doing my own internal recovery work before I started the podcast. Yeah, it was. And you remember when I came upstairs and yeah. I came up to you and I was like, I'm starting a podcast and I'm going to call it Back from the Borderline. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, hell yes. <laughs> Let's do it. Do it. Oh, God. And, he was, and yeah, and you were so supportive. Yeah. I thought it was amazing. I mean, you know, to be able to turn your experiences into a source of healing for others. Yeah. Isn't that what life is about? At least for me, that's like the ultimate objective. It is. It really is, you know. All right. Let's see. Oof, this one's a, a toughie. I'm newly married and starting to suspect that my partner has BPD. He's hesitant to do therapy. What should I do? <laughs> you want to answer that one? I'm interested to know what your response is, actually. And then I'll chime in. I think with conversation... And an open, you know, dialogue, everything happens the way that it should. I think, um, I understandably, they're hesitant. Mm. I mean, I'm human. I'd be, I've been hesitant in many circumstances. To approach me about things. Yeah, you know, so. Well, we just talked about how nervous you were. Like, you felt emotionally abused by yeah. me. I actually think this is a perfect question to come after this. Is like, listen, if you can't open up and talk about these things then what is your marriage built on? Yeah. And the thing is, but the thing is, it's not that easy until it happens, right? Yeah. It's like hindsight is twenty twenty. Yep. Right? And it's like when it's all said, wow, that's so easy. You know, but but the thing is, if, you, if, if there could be mindful steps to arrive at a place with that type of extreme vulnerability. Yes. I really do believe that it's a no-brainer. Like yeah. a partner would say, I, I of course, I'm, yes. I'm going to find what I need to find to be the best version of myself because it's it, it serves them yeah ultimately it does and i think it's all in the messaging yeah you know? it's one million percent and a lot of partners have found comfort in listening to this stuff together this might even be a good episode to listen to together you know and just because like i hate these labels you know maybe your partner has bpd traits and maybe he has a wounded inner child that he just needs to he needs to figure out how to work on his reactivity and you need to open this, open this wound up. And sometimes when you open a wound up, right, you need to clean it out with salt water. It really hurts at first when you really need to clean it out before you can bandage it up. And maybe you need to have your moment of catharsis that we just talked about. And it's a hell of a lot better to do that right away than to wait. Yeah. When, I mean, I couldn't imagine just, just holding out on that. Mm. So this is a nice question. Someone asked, what changes have you noticed in Molly since her recovery? And how do you observe that? Well, I would say the, the, the number one most predominant one has been, you know, how quickly you come back to center. 
mm. right? Because mm-hmm. there could be moments where you, you split, you know, or, or, or react. But it's like, it's so short-lived. It's incredible. Mm-hmm. By contrast to what it was before, you know, where like literally we 48 hours of our life. I would go sleep life. on our a balcony in yeah. the hammock in North Hollywood. Yeah, like I knew when, when shit went down, it's like, man. It's going to be a long two ride. Two days Buckle later, in. we're going to be back to normal. But like, God, this is going to be an exhausting two days. Oof. You know what I mean? But it, it became like that. It was so predictable. And um, that's been, I would say, the the leading edge of what I've observed in you. You know, The gap is shorter. Is The gap is so much shorter. And also, you've made me realize that, you know what, at a certain point, it kind of resembles just normality. Like, for even myself, I... I respond to things and then, you know, come back to baseline. Yeah, you split. Yeah, right. So, but, but it's. Especially it's, it's like, we, it's like if I'm on my period yeah. or if I, if you're hungry. Yes. But the thing is you're driving your horse. Yeah. My therapist Bev says, assess your vulnerabilities. And I really like that. You know, it's like, are you hungry? Are you thirsty? Are you sick? Are you PMSing? And same with Zaz where the. The gaps, I feel like that's the biggest realization for me, too, where if I snap at him and I split on him, I will immediately swallow my pride and I just say, you know what? I didn't mean to say that. And I'm so that's so commendable. Mm. I have to say it's really amazing because Mm. it's so hard for some people to even like fess up to their bullshit. Yeah. And I used to spend a lot of time defending the shits. Yeah. And it is hard. But you know what? It feels so good to just be like, you know what? I didn't mean that. It feels really good to do it. Yeah. It's scary to do it at first, but now that I do it once, now I'm like, okay, I actually am not afraid to admit that I, that I freaked out for no reason because it's normal to have those moments. It is. We're human. Yes. I you don't have to so be perfect. To right? Mm-hmm. Are there any other things like changes you've noticed? And I, I want to reiterate too, like I don't dedicate one hour of my day to my recovery. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, and, and to to that point, I mean, do you want to describe what your observation is of me? How much I work on? I mean, you're constantly consuming information so that you can apply it to your own recovery, right? And as a, you know, my and I books, articles, everything, audible, I mean, every second, all forms YouTube, of media, everything. right? Conversations, therapy, all of it. And I respect, and I think I think it's such an incredible um, practice, and I think it applies to everybody in all sco- in all walks of their reality, right? Yeah. I think that type of care applies to everything, and seeing you apply that, you know, to your mental health translates in my own life to even how I view my my pursuit of of my objectives and my goals and mm-hmm. my sense of self. All of it. I mean, all of it exists. I mean, I've shared. At, the, at its best, when you're at your recovery, in your recovery of BPD, it can rub off on your partner in good ways. And, you know, the inner critic work, Zaz has embodied that in his own life. You're screaming out at your inner critic now. I am. Do you want to talk a little bit about that? You know, it's, so I've always struggled, you know, cr- backstory, creative guy, you know, artist, always kind of, you know, assumed well, I'm just an emotional person. Uh, who, you know, has like this voice in my, inside of my head saying, you know, you suck <laughs> pretty mm-hmm. much. And all of us do. Yeah. This is a really actually a good point of connection with your partner because everyone has an yeah. internalized critical parent. Right. And like that everyone completely. And that leads to, you know, imposter syndrome. Yep. Not feeling like you deserve to be in the positions that you're in. Depression. All of it. You know, even if it's not a personality dis- disorder, which I hate anyways, 
Everyone has an, an inner critic. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd be pressed to, to believe that anybody doesn't have one, right? And it's like now we are in it together to yeah. like battle our inner critics and we talk about together yeah. how we're... And do you want to talk about... So Zaz the other day came to me and I was so proud because also everyone, Zaz doesn't like reading the books. Like he's not like... He, he will read like a 20 page fucking audio gear manual, which I could never get through. Like he's a very technical person, but he's not going to sit and read a therapy book. Like he's just not going to do that. But I tell him these things and I share these strategies. And I told him that I was starting to yell back when my inner critic pipes up in my mind. And by the way, like it's, it's proven that. So for, say for instance, you're going about your day and I drop a cup and I'm like, and I hear that voice in my head and I'm like, you're so fucking stupid. Like, look what you did. You did it again. Now it's proven by neuroscience that if the best way is if you're alone and you scream out, stop, or like, shut up out, out loud. But obviously don't do this if you're in public. Cause you sound like a fucking nutcase. <laughs> but, but if you do that and you're alone, then it, it is proven by neuroscience that that helps retrain your brain because these things like just happen. It's a loop on in our mind and it helps you start recreating new pathways in your brain. So I've been yelling back at my inner critic where I'm like, no, fuck you. I'm not stupid. Everybody makes mistakes. I'm human. Sure. I dropped a cup, but so what? Mm -hmm. So Zaz told me the other day, hey, I yelled back at my inner critic. Yep. And I was like, first and foremost, I was like, oh, my God, he listened to the stuff I was telling him. So do you want to talk to them about what that was like for you? Yeah. So, you know, my experience was waking up in the morning. You mm. know, as of recently, I've been feeling great, you know, mental health wise. I've been feeling really on top of my, you know, just proactivity and just my, my pursuits. Right. And so, you know, but the mornings I wake up and there's, you know, often that moment where it's, ah, you wake up, like you open your eyes and then like all is good. But then like the reality of the future. I've and, been talking about that on Instagram. Right. People don't talk about morning malaise oh enough. Oh my God. I want to like coin the term morning yeah. malaise. It hits hard because it's all good. And then you're like, oh shit, I'm awake and fuck. How like, am I going to be productive today? And, and like, like, do I have enough hours? Yeah. Like, And the mountain. And then yeah. it's kind of just like, oh, I just throw my hands up and do nothing. You know, th mm -hmm. that could sometimes be the case. And so I had this, you know, coming off the cloud of feeling so good the past few few weeks, um, I had this voice creep in just, you know, with the, with the, the usual voice, you know, ah, oh, you sure you could do that? You know, what are the odds? Like, you know, this is likely to fail. And, 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 and I immediately in that moment remembered what Molly said. And I literally in my own mind, I said, you know, get the fuck out of my fucking head. <laughs> yes. Like, get the fuck out of my head. You know what I mean? You don't own me. I don't fucking know who you are. Get get the fuck out. You don't represent what I know to be true. Yes. Right? And I remember th this, like, figure, you know, I, I suddenly was able to visualize this this thing in my head, right? This and that's creature, powerful. Right? And I could even see it now. Like, I can tell it. I can right now, at this moment, even have a conversation to get the fuck out. I see you, bitch. Right? Yeah. But it's truly, I can. And the thing is, I could see it kind of you know uh you retreat. described a figure you described yeah. that it looked like this this hulking little monster yeah. and or something I could, and i could see it retreat to kind of like the shadows of my mind that's how i visualized it and i said i see you get the fuck out mm. right mm -hmm. you know like you don't just like creep and hang out in my mind mm. and immediately i it was like a wave of coming back to baseline of feeling confident again feeling in control of my destiny right mm. And 
you know, that's an extremely powerful thing because I grew up as a child. That's what I associated with being a child with just sense of wonder. Anything's possible. I can, I can be anyone. I could be anything. Right. Yes. And as you get older, you kind of get beaten down. You lose that. And you lose that. People, and right? people around you tell you, don't be thinking about those things. It, it gets don't. beaten out of you. That's mm-hmm. unconsciously. The, yes. the society forces that behavior out of you, that thought form. And so I realized that I was at a point in my life where I really, as someone who felt so radiant in this belief, I actually was becoming that, 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 that completely negative, like, voice, mm. right? And so that changed it. And, and, and so much so that today when I was driving even, you know, such a gr- I felt great. I was, like, in the present moment, driving, all, like, wow, life's fu- it's fucking good. Mm-hmm. And then the voice started coming back. You know, and I, and I actually said it out loud. You know, get, get the fuck out. You know, I literally. It's more powerful when you say it out loud, isn't yeah, it? I, I, That's I, what at least I read. You know, and then I also, I, 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 I recited my, 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 my truth, the truth that I believe to be true. You know, like, I'm great. I'm amazing. Yes. Right? You know, something else I learned is that if you apparently do something um, like Pete Walker is the person that I learned this from. He's a therapist, and he talks about fighting this inner critic. He says if you touch your your pinky and your thumb together at the same time while shouting back at it, and you do the same motion every time, like get the fuck out of my head and touch your pinky and your forefinger together, it adds to the rewiring in your Interesting. brain. Interesting. And so eventually you can get – if you shout out, eventually you can start saying it just in your head. And touching your pinky and forefinger together. So imagine that you're saying, fuck you, get the fuck out of your my head, just in your mind. And you're touching your pinky. Then you can get to a point where you just touch your pinky and your forefinger together. Interesting. Or your pinky and your thumb. Sorry. Yeah, yeah. I wish Did I was Did you say saying... forefinger? Four... <laughs> what the hell's up? Forefinger is your, oh, okay. your, your pointer finger. Uh, well, now yeah. I learned something new. Yeah, you fuck you, man. I thought it was a pointing finger. No. Um, it, your forefinger is your pointer finger, um, but if you t- but you could do anything. You yeah. could touch your your pointer finger and your thumb together. But the the idea is, eventually you shout it out and do the motion. Then eventually you get to the point where you say it in your mind and you do the motion. But eventually, if you just smash your finger your your forefinger and your thumb together, that triggers in your mind like fuck you. Interesting. And I- you can do that when you're out in public, and and beat your inner critic without sounding like a nutcase and like interesting so that's just a cool i feel like i've done that before like not not the but holding mm-hmm. interesting mm-hmm. interesting that just, right? yeah that just triggered something in my mind yeah uh, but but i feel like that's some that's worth it sharing. absolutely um but it's it's proven by neuroscience like if you start doing this that that it works and you're living proof and this is a really good thing to bring up that it's like you as long as the with if you have BPD, it is your responsibility to own your recovery journey. It is your responsibility to go on the journey, to read the books, and it can either be a a thing that disconnects you from your partner or it can be a thing that brings you closer together. And it has brought us closer together because you know, I feel like that I've got my own recovery. You, you don't do. have to save me. No. I've got it. No. I have a lot of people that reach out to me that that I get this vibe that they're like codependent with their partner where mm-hmm. they're like, my partner has BPD and I don't know what to do. And I like it hurts me to get these messages because I'm like, your partner has to do the work. They absolutely do. If you have BPD, 
you have to do the work. And if you are a partner and you're like, your partner has to have that aha moment. They have to dedicate all of their waking hours to getting better. And if they aren't, you need to prioritize yourself. And I think that applies to everything. Like if you're an yes. athlete, if you're trying to be great yes. at anything, whether it's your own mind mm-hmm. or anything, I mean, it requires that dedication. Absolutely. Absolutely. So let's go to this next question. This is a good one. What do you do when you have a bad BP day? Oh, sorry, BP. What do you do when you have a bad BPD day, but your partner is struggling too? So we have this a lot. It's all about communication in my mind. Because the thing is, is that um, when, there, when things aren't clear, it <clears throat> creates confusion. So like Zaz and I are very attuned to each other's mental states. And it's up to us to communicate because if I'm in a bad mood, a lot of times, again, I'll wake up with that morning malaise and Zaz will be like, are you good? And I think Zaz has been through so much with me now that Zaz is like kind of freaks out a little bit when he thinks that you you always tell me like you can see in my eyes. Oh, I just know. <laughs> I mean, I could just see it in your eyes. When Do you want to kind of elaborate on that? Yeah, well, I mean, I think anybody that's been with a partner long enough knows you can kind of pick up you know, how the, the general mood. And it's like, I'm okay, I'm fine. And you're like, bitch. Yeah, I'm like, come on. This ain't my first rodeo. What's <laughs> up? You know. You have to communicate. And now that I'm just like, I just tell him. I'm like, you know what? I'm feeling anxious and I don't know why. You don't have to have a reason. And also, if you're a partner of someone, don't make them have a reason. Don't be like, why, why, why? Yeah, sometimes that's very you, important. Sometimes you just feel anxious for no reason. And same with people with BPD. We're like, are you okay? Are you okay? Are you okay? I'll do that with Zaz. Like, and it's okay to just feel depressed and anxious for no reason. And just be like, so I will just say, you know what? I'm. If he says, are you good? And I'm like, you know what? I'm just feeling off this morning. I. It's probably, I maybe just need to eat. I need to go take a walk. And Zaz will sometimes say like, do you need a snack? Like, yeah, make you, a suggestion, you know, even like he'll know, like if I'm near my period, like I'm honest with him about if I'm near because I really experience serious premenstrual stuff. Yeah. As is as like, <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> <laughs> it is rough. And it's rough for him, but it's rougher for me. Like, I really go through serious, serious anxiety and depression around my period. It really fucks with my moods. And I just have to be honest with him about that. And when he knows, he knows that it's not him. Right? I absolutely, yeah. So it's like, if you know that you're having a bad BPD day, but then Zaz is struggling too, it's up to us to communicate to each other. I mean, otherwise... You know, you're in the dark. Exactly. So this is a really good question. Um, What's the best way to educate my partner about BPD while still holding myself accountable and not making excuses for myself? Um, This question was asked like three times. And then the other question was, how do you involve your partner more in your BPD recovery? And how do you explain things to him? Every time I try to come across... Okay, sorry. Every time I try it comes across as me blaming everything on the BPD and not me taking accountability. Mm -hmm. What's your reaction to that? Well, to the last question. Yeah. Or the last statement. um, I think the way that you approach things 
mm-hmm. is you don't actually resort to the BPD. You don't. No. You don't say. You I know. don't think I've ever. I don't think you've once ever done that. Bla- said like it's my BP. I've never. Never done that. right. No. You've always. You've always. You've I can't always, relate to that. No, actually. And, and you've just shared things that are human realities, right? Yeah. Like I'm feeling like sad. And that's another thing. Like it's not your BPD. You're a person. Yeah. Please, BPD is this diagnosis. It's a named disorder that some crinkly old white men have thrown into a book <laughs> right like it's true it's it's not it's not you you're a person that has a lot of emotions i relate a lot to i posted on instagram it's all about emotional intensity you're an emotionally intense person you're a highly sensitive person and you just have to be open about that and you have to take accountability and know that that's your reality and also know that that might not be your partner's reality. Yeah. Right? 100%. I think that's a good way of saying it. Don't ever blame anything on your BPD because when you do that, it's almost like you're saying, I am my BPD. Yeah. And if you follow this podcast, you know that what I say is like, you are not your BPD. You, This disorder, the disorder is only helpful in that it helps us find the right resources, I think. The label is helpful because it helps you go, oh, it's just a framework that I need to work on. But the work is once you find out that it's BPD, it has to stop being about that. It has to start being about, okay, I know that that's the framework. Now I want to shed that framework so I can find out about who I really am. Mm -hmm. So has that, oh, has that, has (laughs) that, Your other boyfriend. Shut up, I'm tired. <laughs> Has Zaz ever been accused of something untrue in an argument? If so, how did he forgive? Hmm. I feel like for sure at some point. Yeah. I mean, I think a good way of like, I think this is a good way to bring up like my paranoid thinking. Yeah. Like, because paranoia and paranoid thoughts are something I really struggle with. And also I feel like paranoia is really stigmatized when you think about paranoid schizophrenia, for example, and also like schizophrenia is a whole nother topic where it's just, I think it's just somebody who hasn't identified those voices as their inner critic. And so they're going, Oh, I hear voices. And it's like, we all hear voices. Mm -hmm. All of us. I I would wager to believe so. Yeah. We all hear voices. It's just, it's just people with paranoid schizophrenia. I feel like believe the voices and they start like attributing identities to those voices. Mm -hmm. And I, again, this is me hypothesizing because I don't have experience in that, but it's like, Zaz being accused of things that are untrue, usually I would imagine that's like me making up my own paranoid stories. Like, yeah, I mean, I would just I don't don't engage with that behavior. Yeah, I know. <laughs> right? So annoying. Because how the hell? <laughs> yeah, how the hell could I defend something? I'm doing like a pouty face. But it's but you know that's the thing. Like that's the trap. It feels like a trap at that moment. For sure. Right? And you've done. You've actually said that to me before, yeah. where you're like. No. Yeah. Like, I'm not going to engage. Yes. Because, the, like, it's like, why would I engage in something that I know to be untrue? It's just, twi- by you just say en- it's like the Twilight Zone. Yeah. By just engaging in it, I'm, 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 I'm somehow giving power to that untruthness. It's basically like when I run with a story that he doesn't love me because of some dumb shit that I've made up in my head. Yeah. And he will not fight with me to no. the point where, and then I eventually realize that he's, He's right, but it's infuriating sometimes when he doesn't go along with my narratives. 
Yeah, and and actually, I have to say, in the past, the few times that I have gone along with that, I mean, those turned out in the fights, right? Yeah, they don't turn out well. It's true. It's just screaming and just emotions. Um, yeah, I've learned a lot from from that. The next question is: I feel like I don't know myself; that I'll never know who I am. How do I navigate that? I think. Are you asking me? I don't know. I. You want to go first? You go. How do you know yourself? Because you represent someone who I believe really knows who they are. Yeah, it's inter- that's an interesting question because I I don't have a very... And I think it's helpful because I don't think anyone has an answer to this. That's what I was going to say. It's a very, so you don't have to feel very, crazy that you don't know that. Well, also, it's a very abstract thing to, to ask, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's my own perceived reality that frames what I know to be myself. Mm. You know what I mean? And that's also a byproduct of like my conditioning. So if I were to really go meta about it, mm-hmm. you know, you start to go, what I actually, what am I even, ah! right? I'm just, I'm just a convergence of all these experiences. Yes. You know, but I do know what my values are. Yes. And what, what my principles are. And I think that those. It comes down to that, doesn't yes, it? It does. I have a really good part of this, you know, from borderline to beautiful is a really good podcast by Rose Skeeters. And she has a, whole series on what you're describing right now is you never you don't know yourself a part of bpd is identity diffusion which is essentially having a really um poor sense of self and i can relate to that and i realized that i rose does this uh podcast series and or an episode rather on how to help that 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 uh diffuse sense of identity And she says that you need to decide what are your values? Mm. What are the things you value? That represents who you are. But also everyone changes. But what shouldn't change is what you value. Like I value honesty, integrity. You know, there are whole lists. I would say look up lists of core values. That's a really good place to start. And find out the ones that, that twinge your gut when you read them. What makes you say, okay, that resonates with me and decide those core values and then live your life based upon those core values. And when you decide what your core values are, that gives you a framework. It makes you feel cozy. It's like it's your house that you live in. Then when you go out into the world, if something goes against those core values, you're contained because you know, I'm not going to react to that because that goes against my values. I, I couldn't agree more. I'm just thinking actually how v- the core values actually finds its, itself into its way into everything. I mean, because you start, have very strong core values as I, you're I, like loyal. You ma- are, what are about, your core values? Like loyalty to me I mean, is like what I think. One yeah. Of loyalty is my number one. You yeah. know what I mean? Compassion. Yeah. You know, honesty. Yep. Um, You know, and when he says these, I say, yep, because he lives these. I've yeah. never seen him not honor these. I've never, Zaz has never lied to me. Yeah. I mean, I'm just, because I just, I, I say what my truth is, right? No. I mean, I think you maybe white lied to me once, but it was such <laughs> like, a bad like, like white your, lie. Your that birthday I was, present? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Like he You're lies like when. He, surprise. Yeah. Exactly. But you, he never has lied to me. And I'll tell you what, as someone with BPD, I've lied a lot in my life. I've lied. I've steal. I've stealed. Wow. Wow. <laughs> wow. I've lied. I've stolen. I've um, 
cheated. I, and I am so ashamed of those things. But now, like, I know my values and I know I won't go outside of those values. And that makes me feel like I'm safe in myself. Yeah. Like, for, yeah, completely. I mean, you know, I was just thinking about how, uh, you know, values extends into every aspect of, of life. I mean, yes. even starting a company, right? Yes. It's like, what are the values of your business? It's like, these are the foundational aspects of creation. Absolutely. I believe. It's so, so true. It's so true. So the next question is, has jealousy been a problem? And if so, how do you deal with it? I ask because I can be very controlling and obsessive and paranoid. I mean, mm. we've talked about paranoid. Do you think I've been jealous? You know, actually, I think, I, I think you, yeah, you have presented yeah, jealousness. You know? I think so too. Uh, and it's, I try to control it. You, yeah. <laughs> but like, I, I, I actually have observed most of your jealousness when, you know, me doing music. Yeah. Actually. Interesting. Like early enough, right? uh-huh. early in our relationship. Uh-huh. You know, because, you know, Molly, your, uh, your listeners know that you were in music, right? Mm-hmm. And as was I. Yeah. And I am. And, you know, I felt this sense of sometimes you would make me feel guilty. Mm. You know what I mean? For mm-hmm. um, pursuing my creativity. Yeah. At times. And it's because I was cut off from my own creativity. Yeah. Is projection. Yeah. You know, so I, I, those were the moments that I really experienced that, that kind of play out. And then, you know, fun, jokingly kind of, it would be, it'd be more humorous when I'd see you t- you'd talk about an ex-girlfriend or oh something, Oh, my right? God. And, Fuck. you know, I could see just like you're, whoa, I'm oh disturbed. Oh, my God. He used to do, <laughs> he used to, he did these videos, like he's a videographer and there's a couple of girls that I still want to murder. Yeah. And you're like, ask, like, did you have sex with them? I'm like actually no <laughs> but like even if i did i'm not jealous <laughs> you know but but those were those only moments but but i'll add you know je- jealousy is you know a I common it's thing natural yeah. like you don't want to hear about the guys that i used no, to bang i'm not interested in it right right like that would make you probably feel uncomfortable and what does it serve me of course you've slept with other people it's another thing where i feel like i feel like jealousy is natural yes and I feel like as long as you admit, it's another thing. I just think communication is important. Like I'm feeling instead of, I think what killed it was me being like, did you sleep with them? Yeah. Instead of being like, I'm feeling really jealous. Yeah. It's I true. think you would have responded differently if I was like, I'm feeling really jealous right now watching you take these intimate videos of this person. Like it makes me feel jealous. Yeah. I think you would have been like more understanding of what I was going yeah. through. Yeah. But I think with BPD, again, it's the mask. We're trying to hold the mask up and we make these passive aggressive comments rather than just saying how we're feeling. We think that we're like fooling people by these little comments when in reality we just look like jealous, crazy persons. Yeah. Yeah. Speak your reality, right? Yeah. Speak your reality. Say, I'm feeling jealous right now. I know that that might sound crazy to you, but like I'm feeling that way and I might need a little bit of reassurance from you. I think that's always met with compassion. Always. Always. So this is the last question because I think we've been taught. How long have we been talking now? I don't even know. All right. All right. Because I need to call Pizza and figure out when the fuck this pizza is here <laughs> because it's been too long. I'm literally checking, I'm checking, the, checking the status. What has been the most transformative thing in your relationship? 
I mean, it goes back to the 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 moment where you know you completely remove the veil, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Like that being able to f- to speak freely, yep, together, you know, and uh, about our shared experiences in a safe environment where we didn't feel like we'd be, be retaliated against, yeah, has been. I mean that, and by that you mean me retaliating. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> it's fine. Yeah. It is what it is. Yeah, because you didn't retaliate no. against me. You didn't. But being in an environment where you can be honest, authentic, right? Like that—that that has been the ultimate objective for myself in a relationship is to be in an in an authentic uh, a relationship where I'm authentically myself, and so is my partner. And and in and that means having a, a sense of autonomy, feeling like I can have my space, yeah. also seeing that like I have a space with my partner, f- trusting them, yes. feeling like the way that we mutually feel is is being represented and shared. You know, mm-hmm. down to like the most detailed, like nuance of our sexuality together. Yeah. You know, uh, all these things are so, so invaluable. It is. And, you know, the last thing that I think we should touch on that's really important because I think a lot of people is like intimacy. That mm-hmm. was the one question. The first one is like navigating intimacy. That's yeah. the question. I feel like Zaz and I could do a whole episode on that. So I think we'll touch on it briefly at the end of this episode. It's like, Find what works for you. Mm-hmm. Don't feel like you have to be having crazy sex five times a week or or looking about what other people do. Yeah. Find what works for you. Be honest. Be open and communicative. Also, be find what 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 feels good for you. Take the pressure off. Yeah. There's so much pressure. That's the thing, right? Relationships have so much pressure. And we're constantly comparing ourselves to other people too. Saz and I have a very unique relationship. <laughs> yeah. And I love that. Yes. Like and that's why I feel like it will last. I believe every relationship is unique. Me too. Right? And 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 the thing is we're so framed by what we observe. Yes. to be true. I yes. mean, I I've worked in media. I mean, we're we're pumping out stories about what relationships look like and it's all and all of it is a facade it's everything that we see it's a story what's really going on is right in front of your face like that's the reality your 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 immediate reality everything that you're seeing on instagram on the tv on even what your friends are telling you about their relationship it's their perception of what's going on it's it's their their happy painted picture don't use that as something as to, a reference yeah don't and i'm not saying there's there are friends who share openly like for example melanie who i've had on the podcast before like she is a friend that i i consider so dear to me and she gives me the real about her relationship as i with her and i know that she's painting an accurate re- representation of what she's going through and it helps me feel really seen and if you have friends like that you are blessed to mm-hmm. have friends that way but just know that sometimes people paint a pretty picture to make themselves feel better so don't use what you see as a measuring stick of what you what you should be doing like find what feels good for you i couldn't agree more right so with that I think we should tie it up for now <laughs> because Zaz is going to be back. I'm going to force him. I will. 
but I think I feel like he'll come gladly. I For won't. Sure. I won't force him. No, I don't, be, I don't make him do choice. things against his will. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, I, I literally am looking at him with crazy eyes. <laughs> Huzzah! Well, I love you so much. Love you. And maybe we can end with, I feel like, what are the things I'm going to end with? Some things that I love most about you. And then you can end with a few things that you love about me because I feel like it's nice to end with those things. I agree. The things I love most about you are that you are loyal and very steady. I can always depend on you. And also when I'm in my states of paranoia, like, and sometimes it's hard for me to see reality, I've been around you long enough to where I know you will paint a picture for me and bring me back down to earth the best way you know how like you'll give me reality and I know that no matter what no matter how upset I get that you love me for me mm. and beautiful. I and I and I also am just so grateful that you have stuck through some really hard times because it would have been a lot easier and probably healthier for you in the beginning to walk away and sometimes I don't, and I'm just so grateful that you saw something Yes. To in me to where we could get to this point. Well, you know, it's what I saw in you in the beginning, right, of your just vulnerable self-expression, right, even without knowledge of, of, of what was, was, was provoking those thoughts mm -hmm. that I think has been the most beautiful thing. And, and the thing is, you leave no st stone unturned. You know, the journey that you've been on has been so inspiring to me to observe and it's influenced me so positively, you know, and you're such a nurturing person as well, that it's such a pleasure to contribute, you know, a positive energy to the relationship and, and to the life that we're building, you know, and I'm just, it's a, I'm, I'm really grateful for that, you know, and I think that we, we, we're in a position where we're growing together. Like your influence is, is positive. And I think it's so important that you know that you have such a positive influence on, on the, on the world around you, you know, and we're very grateful. I say we, because myself, Lola, Cody, my, that's my cat yeah. and my dog, you know, <laughs> we really are, you know, and I couldn't imagine a world without you. I love you so much. I love you. You're the best. Best is. Now, where's this fucking pizza? I need it. I'm so hungry. We're like two glasses of wine in on an empty stomach, and I'm starting to like lose consciousness right now. And we still have to do a post on Instagram. So I still has to design a post oh, on Instagram. Oh, man. Sorry. <laughs> well, everyone, we're so glad that we could have you in our home tonight. I hope you enjoyed this relaxed fit. <laughs> Very relaxed. The buttons undone on the pants. Heavy mom jeans. Heavy mom jeans. <laughs> <laughs> well, we love all of you, and we're definitely going to have Zaz back. And Zaz loves all of you, too. Yes. Because he's someone that appreciates people with BPD. Absolutely. He knows, like, you're not broke. Do you? That's actually what I'm going to end on, is what do you have to say to those people out there that are like the crying Molly on the floor? If you are like a voice in their ear, you are a stallion, you know, you're like, you <laughs> sorry, I'm laughing. Yeah. You are a stallion though. You have such superpowers. Yes. And if you can harness those superpowers, you are unstoppable. So true. So, so true. With that,
going to clash now. Well, love you, Zaz. Love you. Bye. Bye. <laughs> hey, we did good. It was good. All right, you messy, amazing, emotional, fabulous human beings doing this life thing. That is it for today's episode. I want to thank you so much for listening because out of all the millions, billions of podcasts in the world, you chose to listen to mine. And that means a lot to me. And if you listen this far, I know you never want to miss a new episode. So to make sure that doesn't happen, click follow in your podcast player of choice and you will be alerted every time I drop a new one. To help me grow and help the podcast reach as many people as possible, go ahead and leave an honest rating and review. Not only that, I love to hear your feedback, so please share it with me. I read every single review, and you just might hear it read out loud on the podcast. To connect with me directly, follow me on social media and keep up with all the new updates. You can find that all at backfromtheborderline.com. And as always, any articles, resources, or other helpful information you've heard today can be found in the description of this podcast episode. So don't forget to check out the show notes. And until we meet again, remember, life is a circle, a cycle, a process, separation, initiation, return. Thanks for tuning in to this episode of Back from the Borderline. If you'd like to receive my monthly written recovery musings via Substack directly to your inbox, send me a voicemail, join the Patreon community, or check out my Amazon booklist recommendations, visit backfromtheborderline.com and click to access my link tree.